Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Looking for some amazing TV to stream? Indulge yourself with the hits on Hulu you can't miss. Dive in with Barney, Ted, Robin, and the gang on How I Met Your Mother. All nine seasons are now streaming on Hulu. Then you can move to Modern Family, Schitt's Creek, and My Wife and Kids. We're talking every episode and every season of these shows. We're talking huge hits, streaming on Hulu whenever you're in the mood. Now we're talking. Yo, what's up, MTV? Uh, we want to thank y'all for the best group. Uh, I'm Wyclef. El Boogie up in here. And I'm Proz. And we live in Haiti. Haiti, hey, make some noise! Yeah. Yes, yes, y'all. As a young NGO, Coming up, have we made mistakes before? Yes. One of the hardest things I ever did besides losing my father, which was probably the hardest thing, was trying to become president of Haiti. You guys see me on Oprah, tears in my eyes. Like, they made memes of me. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you do know, like, what it takes to make a man cry. <laughs> Why are you doing this? You don't need to do it. You could do an episode on anyone else. All these other people, you could do an episode. No, you had to pick the Fugees part one. Let's go. Welcome to Fraudsters, where we cover the scams you love and the fraudsters we hate. I'm your co-host, Sina Gaznavi, along with Ariel Lieti and Justin Williams. Fam, how's it going? We're going to start our multi-part series on the Fugees today. Ooh, la, la, la. We had, we had some... Wait, but let's talk about this for a second before we dive in. We had some debate on whether or not to even do this. And I was initially hesitant, I have to say. But like most of the things that happen on this show, Justin convinced me otherwise. Because well, you'll, you'll find out, but Lauren Hill went to prison for tax evasion. Wycliffe has all the stuff with Haiti. And Praz is up right now as we sit here and recording today for potentially being involved in a Malaysian sovereign debt scandal that pumped money into the <laughs> Obama campaign and may have to register as a foreign agent. That's Incredible. fucking crazy. <laughs> Praz, My thing Praz. Was should we care? Yeah, wild Ross. card, bitches. Roswell yeah. <laughs> was number one the entire time. <laughs> but like, I don't know, tax evasion. It was a tough one for me to get behind because I I had to be convinced of who the vulnerable people were. But I get it now. Yeah, mm. you know, the taxpayers are vulnerable. That's right. Yeah. And all the people still sitting at Lauren Hill shows from 1997 waiting for her to go on stage. Just There's waiting. Skeletons at a stadium somewhere. <laughs> yeah, when you learn, when you guys hear about all the other shenanigans that, that Lauren Hill's done, then you're like, okay, 
I get it. But Ariel, what do you think about what do you think about tax evasion? We I feel like this is right up your alley. To because evade I the evade tax, ta- I'm evading tax man right now. I know that it's tax season and I'm supposed to be doing my taxes, <laughs> but I have a, another week, right, or something like that. Yeah, that's I not got, evading tax evasion. Th- that's <laughs> not. Do we? That's, should we define tax evasion? Yeah, that, that's that's procrastination. That? Yeah. <laughs> but I'm I lead towards evading. I'm like this year I'm just not gonna do it. What are they gonna do? Fine me, and then I do it like at the last minute. So it's, yeah, it's procrastination. But You're they right. will do. They'll find you. They'll they will find me. They will find you. I thought you were gonna say, what are they gonna do? Fire me? Uh, both. Yeah, find me and fire yeah. me. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I kind of don't care about tax evasion. Like you do you, but also, yeah. The more we learn about Lauren Hill, the worse it gets. So we'll we'll talk about it. I care a yeah. lot about tax evasion. Listen, I I live in New Jersey. I have the highest property taxes in America. Uh, I, I work in New York Humble City. Brag? I yeah. pay I pay New York City tax. And if, or, or, I pay taxes on a city I don't even live in. Wow, my tax burden is so wild. So yeah. if you're a celebrity and you don't pay your taxes as much as I pay taxes, I will take a shoe to you. I oh. will find you. <laughs> if you're famous. I will shoe beat you. <laughs> you hear I'm that, just Lauren trying to make Hill? it out here. You hear yeah. that, Lauren? Justin Williams wants to shoe beat you. Yeah. You definitely, if you're if you're up there, I mean, I would definitely throw like you know a Persian mom slipper at a forehead, a you know, for something like this. I, yeah. I just paid thousands of dollars of taxes on a business that's not even open yet. Like it, <laughs> it, like it only exists on paper. And I've already paid thousands of dollars of taxes on it. This shit is if, real. If you don't pay taxes and you're a multimillionaire, I will take a house <laughs> shoe at your purple Wait, and I will whoop you with it. W- a chunkla. Do in in all three of our cultures, do we have parents that throw shoes? Yeah, we have a shoe culture. Big shoe culture. Huge. <laughs> huge house shoe culture. <laughs> now, I think it might be more of a Persian Latino thing because uh, the, the, the black thing is being hit with sort of anything. Yeah, it's if just, it's, if there's something there, you're gonna yeah. get hit. If it's within arm's reach, Eddie Griffin's mom tried to hit him with a car. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it actually happened. She was trying to run him over with a car when she was mad at him. I like I just like black stand up comedy because it's like child abuse framed as like <laughs> like it's like you know, you know how your mama uh, beat you with the back of that millimeter nine millimeter pistol. You remember that nine millimeter pistol your mom used to keep, and she would pistol whip you until you cried. Remember that? And you'd be like, "That's child abuse." Everyone's like, "Yeah, <laughs> I was abused as a child." Like that. That's a love tap. That's all that is. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. All right, Ariel, take us away into the world uh, of the Fujis. Into the crevasse. Here we go, you guys. <laughs> So, more than 30 years ago, three New Jerseyites, I mean, what do we call ourselves, Justin? New Jerseyites, New Jerseyans? New Jerseyans, I, I think. Ites makes us sound like we're from another planet. Yeah, I mean, we yeah. are, kind of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so you guys know that the Fuji's 30 years ago, three New Jerseyans bonded over a love of funk, fashion, family, and fraud. The Fuji's consisted of three members, nay, legends, sorry. Wycliffe Jean, which was the zaddy of the group. Lauren Hill was the talent. And Praz was the third one. 
So, <laughs> we all loved the Fuji's music, but we are not a music show. As you know, we're a fraud show. And over the next two episodes, we're going to cover how three members each went from platinum sales to prison cells. At the time of their inception, the trio had zero felonies between them. And since then, one of the trio has served three months in prison. Another of them allegedly stole millions from needy victims, and the third one may have to register as a foreign agent. So in this episode, we're going to cover who did what and why these fraudster Fugees refuse to quit. Let's just, let me also say the score, one of my favorite albums. That does not take away from any of the musical prowess or yeah. success, Yeah, but they're still fraudsters. They were good at music. Yeah. And then yeah. they, you know, decided to go on to do fraud. They did one album and, like and they the, said, we're done. Yeah. It, it, yeah Bad disaster relief. Really. Yeah. Even with Lauryn Hill and the Fugees, right? It is the, it's both. It's like they made a work so good that yeah. they didn't even attempt to follow it up, which I think is like, like amazing. That's always when you know your work is good. When you're yeah. like, I'm not even going to attempt to follow this up. It's dumb. You can't top it. So fuck it. We're just going <laughs> to release it and do fraud. <laughs> Which is honestly what I would do. So I kind of get it. I'm also from New Jersey. So, so the group's members began making music in the late 80s in South Orange, New Jersey. Ah, ah, ah. A tiny little neighborhood, just 30 minute train ride from New York City. Okay, but like, tell me if you're going to describe South Orange to someone like me who's never been there. Um, what would you say is like the best characteristic or what characterizes South Orange the most? It's upwardly, it's upwardly mobile. So yeah. it's like. It's 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 wealthy liberal white people and black people that could afford to move out of East Orange, Newark, and Irvington. Mm. Um, that sounds so, right. Yeah. So like if South Orange, Maplewood, Montclair are like the it's like people that don't move to Park Slope after they have a baby in New York City move to those three places. Got it. All right, this is helpful. Yeah. I, I worked there for a little while. I worked at a Starbucks and it was right next to a bakery and it smelled like bread. And that's what I remember about South Orange. The world, it smells go. like bread Story out time. in the neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I remember about South Orange, but he's right. Upperly mobile, uh, classy, cute. We love it. So Proz and Hill were classmates at Columbia High School and would go on to be the most famous and successful school alumni. If you don't count like Zach Braff or sexologist Alfred Kinsey, actress Elizabeth Shue, drummer Max Weinberg of the E Street Band and Late Night with Conan O'Brien, Jaws actor Roy Scheider, and of course, SZA. Oh, and don't forget Ahmed Best, the actor who played Jar Jar Binks, of course. I guess they were in good company. <laughs> a lot of famous people came from Columbia High. I should have went to Columbia High. What the this fuck? This wild. And they're, and, they're, and they're also, some of those people are like around the same age. They might have overlapped as far as classmates, right? Wow. Yeah. Well, Praz and Hill, along with their fellow classmate, Marcy Harriel, formed a group called TIME. That is spelled T-Y-M-E, okay? <laughs> and in 1990, Praz's older cousin, Wycliffe Jean, joined the group. And shortly after that, Marcy Harriel made her exit. While Harriel missed her chance to be in the Fugees, she did manage to eke out a career in a ton of Broadway shows like Rent and In the Heights. I gotta respect that, honestly. But soon after, the group added a few members, including Johnny Wise on the drums, Ty Bass on the bass guitar, and DJ Hard Hitting Harry, because of course. And they named the group the Translator Crew. And translator is spelled T-R-A-N-Z later. Okay? This was the 90s. This is what we did. Yeah. Finally, in 1993, the trio we know and love formalized their group 
of three as the Fugees, which was derived from the word refugee, which was often used as derogatory kind of slur about Haitian Americans. The group was signed to Rough House, which was distributed under Columbia Records. And next up, superstardom and quite a bit of crime. We'll be back after these ads to detail the Fuji's rise and near immediate fall. And then we'll dive all the way into Wyclef's Yele scandal. Emmy award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Looking for some amazing TV to stream? Indulge yourself with the hits on Hulu you can't miss. Dive in with Barney, Ted, Robin, and the gang on How I Met Your Mother. All nine seasons are now streaming on Hulu. Then you can move to Modern Family, Schitt's Creek, and My Wife and Kids. We're talking every episode and every season of these shows. We're talking huge hits, streaming on Hulu whenever you're in the mood. Now we're talking. I live by routines, but I especially love my same-day delivery routine with Shipped. And my shopper knows this about me. When Sunday rolls around and I place my weekly stock-up order, Joe sends texts from the aisles. Wilted lettuce? Nah, hard pass. Deal on my favorite sparkling water? Whew. Grab two. Fresh flowers just because? Hmm, sounds like a delightful idea. If you love routines that work for you, get shipped same-day delivery. Shipped. Delight in every delivery. Learn more at ship.com slash hi. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, They'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. We are back. Okay, so in 1994, the Fugees finally released their first album, Blunted on Reality. That's right, blunted on reality. And even though it had been recorded more than two years prior, the album immediately received critical acclaim, but the sales were slow to come. A remix of the album's song, Nappy Heads, would reach 49 on the Billboard charts. Was Heads spelled like with a Z? No, oh God, I wish it was. That would have, that was, they left that behind in the old groups. There were five P's in Nappy. <laughs> Too many P's. <laughs> in 96, the group's sophomore album would fix these sales numbers. The score, produced by acclaimed producer John Forte, went on to sell 22 million copies, making it one of the most successful albums of all time. Double they diamond. Also, double diamond, baby. And they also nabbed the two Grammys, including Best Rap Album. The group celebrated their... Eat your heart out, Beyonce. <laughs> <laughs> Beyonce could never... Uh, the group celebrated. <laughs> they celebrated their success in an unusual way. They broke up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the score was their final album. They tried to reunite for a tour in 2005, but the tour was scrapped thanks to Lauren Hill's working style of not working. 
In an, <laughs> in an interview with allhiphop.com in 2007, Proz was quoted as saying, before I work with Lauren Hill again, you will have a better chance of seeing Osama bin Laden and George W. Bush in Starbucks having a latte discussing foreign policies. <laughs> That's like every conspiracy theorist dream. I told you 9-11 was a setup. I seen them at Starbucks. <laughs> Pull up the footage. Yeah. Sadly, Osama bin Laden was killed before he got the chance to see Praz eat his words. <laughs> Sadly. It was a tragedy. Sadly. Oh. <laughs> before we get lost in what year the U.S. government actually killed Osama bin Laden or whether or not he's still alive, I want to tell you a little bit about some side fraud. A little side nugget. This is about John Forte. So Forte was one half of the Refugee All-Stars and was 21 years old when he was nominated for a Grammy as one of the producers and performers of the score. Three short years later, he had helped make Wyclef Jean the Carnival. He released an album of his own called Poli Sci and was even arrested at Nork International Airport after accepting a briefcase containing $1.4 million worth of liquid cocaine and found guilty of possession with intent to distribute and conspiracy to distribute. You know, <laughs> I mean, listen. That's what I say. Just be it was liquid cocaine. How was I to know? Yeah, it was. I, they said it was a fruit juice. You know, that was clear. Uh, but, you know, the other thing, John Forte made that sound on the score. You know, he's the reason that album has such a distinct voice, I think. Yeah. And like it's sad that he got roped up in one of these. Uh, it happens. Huge drug things. Yeah, no, it's like, it's actually yeah. a tragic story because he was like, if you go back and it's like, he's like one of the biggest what if stories of music in the nineties. Cause theoretically he set up for like a huge solo run that just like never happens. But like people have done articles on like, Hey, what happened to John Forte? That guy was like the next guy up. And it's like, Oh yeah. Prison. Prison. So unfortunately he was sentenced to the mandatory minimum of 14 years. Jesus. Uh, Oddly enough, his sentence was commuted after eight years by George W. Bush with help from Utah Senator Orrin Hatch. The Fugees learn a good lesson here about why it's good to know people in government. And I need you to file that one away for later because we're going to need it. Hey, this is George W. Bush. You know, uh, I'm a big fan of John Forte's beats. <laughs> so we got to give him out of prison. What do you say? I'm, I'm a bit of a beat man myself. Yes. So, <laughs> so I will be releasing John Forte. Got my own album coming out. It's called Shock and All. Uh, <laughs> That's one word, Shock and All. Um, yes, shock and all. <laughs> dumb. A reunion tour was announced in 2021, but was canceled citing COVID concerns. Uh, considering the tour was announced over a year into the pandemic, many people believe the real reason for the canceled tour was because of Praz's involvement in a money laundering scam and the Justice Department prevented him from leaving the country. More on that later. It's a lot to discuss here. Okay, guys? That brings us to the true focus of these episodes, which is the fraud. So we'll start with Wyclef. There's a lot to cover here. So guys, buckle up. Wyclef is many things. He's a singer, a rapper, a father, a businessman, a presidential hopeful, and we would say a fraudster. Sure, he left Haiti as a child, but like many immigrants, his heart was always with his birth country. And as Haiti's most famous spokesman, Wyclef felt the need to give back. Not his own money, of course, no. Other people's money spends just the same. 
And celebrities rarely feel the need to give their own money when they can instead donate their time, especially in a way that continues to promote them and help maintain their celebrity status. Thinking about like the reception after the score, and it was true, like the refugee camp and like the refugee kind of like slur for Haitians was was very real during that time. And the score brought a much more positive light to Haitian immigrants yeah. in the country. I mean, they were definitely elevated after that in the culture. And I think that that puts pressure, right? That's like a motivating factor. Or maybe um, if it fills the it swells the ego a little bit thinking that, hey, this album did this and did so much for Haitians in America. I can also go myself and do things for the people of Haiti. And I think that kind of distorted reality starts to creep in once you get a certain level of fame. And Wyclef, you know, he has so many hits as a solo artist that you could tell there's a period where people aren't telling Wyclef no. There's this period where Wyclef is trying to be Bob Marley. And, and in my opinion, like, it's not good. Yeah. And someone should have been like, don't do that. Please like, stop. to me, like, like that Chappelle show where he's singing, If I Was President, like that yeah. musical yeah. appearance, I'm like, this, I would have never done, I would hope I have a crew of people that would have told me no to any of this. But it, it, he, he's, yeah, he clearly had this idea that he was going to become like this like sort of super important global icon person. Yeah, but to 12-year-old me, that shit was profound. So you had yeah. like if I was president, I was into that shit. So he was really speaking to the youth. Yeah. He was yeah, and, and I think the other thing too is, you know, I think one of the things that we're exploring this season is this idea of like there are intentional fraudsters and there are also like accidental fraudsters or people that kind of fall into it. And I don't think he started wanting to be a fraudster. He didn't like get into it with the intention to defraud or to enrich himself. Otherwise he would have done a very different thing, right? Yeah. I think it was, you you distort yourself enough where then you end up jump like f jumping into something that you probably shouldn't and all of a sudden you're in over your head. Yeah, I think maybe- You don't think so? He wasn't immediately trying to be a fraudster, um, but after the first week and he saw shit was like, he was probably just going to make a lot of money from it. He's like, oh, I'll just keep doing this. Like, yeah. I think it was not that a gradual of a of a switch flip thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, it might be a Sean King thing, too. It's like once you come into yeah. this system, yeah, uh, you then understand like ways to make it. And then, then it just the, the system of fraud consumes you like immediately. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, that's yeah. why I, that's why I because I've read the story and I'm like, ah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so Haiti is one of the poorest countries in the world. Its residents survive on an average of $2 a day, and it is consistently being ravaged by natural disasters. While Wyclef's career is exploding, Haiti continues to be pounded by natural disasters, just pummeled. So here's a quick timeline of Haiti's greatest hits after Wyclef becomes famous. In 98, Hurricane George destroys 80% of Haiti's crops while killing more than 400 people. In 2004, Three days of heavy rains caused floods that kill more than 2,600 people. September 2004, tropical storm Jean causes flooding and landslides that kill 1,900 and leave 200,000 people homeless in Ganaev's Haiti's largest city. October 2007, tropical storm Noel triggers mudslides and floods, killing at least 57 Haitians. August and September 2008, Three hurricanes and a tropical storm kill some 800 in Haiti, devastate crops, and cause $1 billion in damage. 
like one of those storms yeah is enough can like is enough to destroy a country basically or to like level an entire people you know economically politically emotionally culturally they, they, this is uh, this is too many this is too many. Just it's too, many. too much. Which again, I mean, we're not even in the weeds yet of what he's done, but it's like, you know shit's bad. I just can't imagine that you didn't know you were frauding these people. These yeah, are your yeah, yeah. people. Come on. So in 2004, he incorporates the Wycliffe John Foundation as it is officially known, but publicly the charity would be known as Yele or Yele Haiti, depending on what makes the most sense in the moment. I'm a positive that Wycliffe's heart was in the right place here and there, but not consistently enough to do things in a transparent and ethical way. Yele Haiti is on the ground, meaning what is the difference with me and any other NGO? We go into the depth of hell hmm. in Haiti. Uh, this would be news to like Doctors Without Borders. Like we go deeper than any other NGO. That like a claim like that should really alarm you. Like right off the, the bat, right? The idea that Wyclef Jean has gone deeper than the United Nations. And also, that's that's the last person I want going deep. To, like, no. No, nah, he's the first person I want. You know what I mean? Want. Like, uh, we'll see. <laughs> I remember reaching up my hand out of hell. And it, I was glad that it was Wyclef and not... <laughs> a, 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 a helicopter full of Navy SEALs with food. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. I was just happy to see Wyclef's face. Thank God. Yeah. I grabbed the, the neck of his acoustic guitar and he pulled me out of the rubble. <laughs> <laughs> and then he sang, if I... So <laughs> it is... <laughs> if I had a helicopter, I would fly it on Saturday. <laughs> I would oh, dress God, no. on Sunday. Oh, I no. will be assassinated. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it. Okay, well, you guys, look, it's important to understand the political corruption in Haiti even before Wyclef gets involved. Yeah. In 2008, the non-governmental organization Transparency International rated Haiti as the fourth most corrupt country in the world. Yeah. Haiti is also the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. 60% of Haitians live below the poverty line. Robert Clickard wrote in 2010 that corruption in Haiti is not the activity of a few rogue officials or politicians, but it's more like organized crime with corrupt procurement deals arising through collusion and kleptocratic racket. And that's the guy that basically invented how to measure corruption around the world in different countries. So, oh. and for context, that's all gotten worse. There's actually really no elected uh, legitimate government in Haiti at the moment. And it's like being carved out into like street gangs. So yeah, a good con uh, comparison would be like Somalia, where it's not really even a nation state at this point. It's just kind of carved off into like, you know, separate kingdoms like Game of Thrones or something like that. We are an NGO, which means there's no, I would say in my generation, mm -hmm where any artist that is famous has an NGO. Hmm. They have foundations, mm -hmm. but the idea of a non-governmental organization mm -hmm. is a challenge. And it's something that there's certain people that fear us at the same time 
because to be so young and to be so powerful. So by definition, any foundation is an NGO. So I like, I don't even know what the nature of that claim. It'd be no, like, say, no, no, but it's different. No, no, it's different. It's, <laughs> it's actually like how the funding happens and like what the execution of that funding is. So the foundation are like the executive producers. Yeah. They fund other things like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. They go and they have certain tools to measure success and stuff like that, yeah. but they will fund local operators to do the work. Those are the NGOs. Wyclef wanted to be on the ground, so he made an NGO, which is crazy, which means you have to be in charge of all the logistics, all the project management, all the administrative mm. costs, all the like the team building things that you're doing, all of that shit that makes that type of work te- that that governments have a tough time doing. And that you're literally a guitar singer songwriter <laughs> and you are like, let's just jump in and compete with the Red Cross, for example. Wow. Yeah. And like this is this is the that's original Sean, sin that's of the whole King. thing. Yeah. That, yes, yes, yes. That's I was just gonna say this is the Sean King syndrome all over again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. And so that's that is my biggest fucking problem with this whole thing is that is that he just never should have done this like he could have helped people more by just being a celebrity raising the yeah, money like working the with people on the ground that were good at it yeah instead you're you're like no we're and he has these these heart-wrenching stories about being around dead bodies and the smells and all these things that he talks about and like was singing a song to a kid that's dying and stuff like Fool, that's not, you shouldn't be there. You should yeah. not that's be above there. your pay grade. And that kid wasn't going to die before Wyclef started singing. <laughs> <laughs> Wyclef was sitting on him. Yeah. I don't know why. Using him as a chair a to play a song. If I was president, this guy's like, oh, I better, I got to get out of here. I'm out of here. He's, he played the hips don't lie. It was really weird. No, but also, also he makes a claim. He's like, they're scared of us. That's also getting you that conspiracy. That's the kind of Dr. Umar yep. thing of like getting like inventing an opposition that doesn't exist. I don't know of anybody like the the the, the challenges with Haiti, right? Or admit, like trying to navigate like institutional corruption and things like that. I don't think anybody like who who is scared of Wyclef changing Haiti? Literally no one. Like who like who who is the yeah, who is the, who is that person yeah. that's like I, the oppressor of Haiti, am scared of Wyclef Jean's influence. This could be the one that could change everything there. Uh, yeah. I think anybody that like is conspiring against Haiti is like, we have set up a situation that's so unwinnable. Good luck even trying to do good there. Like that's what that would be there. Like if the man, you know, if there's like a Dr. Claw white guy, <laughs> like that's what he'd be like, good yeah. luck. I have thoroughly... I fucked this yeah, up. The, yeah. When corruption is that deep, it's like, oh, great, a celebrity's coming to think they're going to save everybody. Good luck. Good fucking luck with that. Oh, and if you're a kleptocrat, there's nothing you love more than a celebrity because it's like, oh, this person yeah. thinks they're going to change the world. We are going to drain this guy. Yeah, they're going to. And it's like the perfect distraction for all the corruption that they're already doing. They're like, oh, great. No one's even looking at us now. Yeah. To view Yale through that lens puts its corruption well within the norm for a charity dealing with Haiti. So upon its creation, Yale is immediately corrupt. Just immediate. After the charity is exposed following the scandal in 2010, 
it's revealed that even before the giant influx of cash, Yele was not even close to a legit operation. Everything that you give to Yele Haiti, have no doubt, 100% of what you give not only goes to the earthquake and the rebuilding, you are really making a difference because you're working with a team of kids that put their life in the front Wait. line. And, oh, <laughs> Wait a God. minute. Why? Why Hold kids? On. Why? You're why, giving money why to kids? children? What are they going to do? This is Lord of the Flies? What's going on? If it was microcredit, maybe that could kind of make sense. Like 100% of our thing. Yeah. But like any, you know, NGO or foundation has some level of administrative costs. Like you could say we give 70%. People would be like thrilled with that, you know? Yeah, um, but that's not sexy to say. This is crazy. He just tells on himself yeah, all the time. But then can't. it's also who are the kids rebuilding Haiti? That's child labor. Like, yeah. they, do they have building permits? <laughs> They don't need permits where they're going. This is the thing. It's like, it's bad producing. And I, th I think this is what I react so strongly to. It's just bad producing. And it's like, you can, you'd have no business going in there and being a shitty disaster relief producer. Yeah. It's, it's worse. What's worse than that? What's worse? Uh, his handling of Yale Haiti so far or his production on Cannabis's debut album? I think they're both equally no. terrible. Both were both were uh, a blight against humanity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Arguably, the cannabis album was worse because it assaulted my ears. I love cannabis. He's great. He just needed better beats. Wyclef failed him. So here is the summary of the confusing actions of Yele. So we started with so much financial mismanagement. Yele did not file tax forms for 2005 through 2007, must have learned from his girl, Lauren. Tax filings eventually would show that they spent $1.2 million in 2006, and only a third was used for program services that directly benefited Haiti. Tax filings eventually would show that they spent one point, and I guess that's what happens when you give the money to children. In 2006, he announced that he was building a music school in the impoverished area of Cité Soleil. Miami Herald reported in 2010 the school was never built despite funds being raised for it. Uh oh, now it's Dr. Umar. Yeah, I gave $50 for this school to be built to be part of a WhatsApp group, and I still have yet to be invited <laughs> into this WhatsApp group with Watercliff and the music school. This is crazy. So the NGO lost a quarter of a million dollars in 2009. And $24,000 had been paid out for the chauffeur services because, of course, the organization shelled out $100,000 to Wyclef himself to perform at a fundraiser in Monaco. And the audit found no impropriety here, as $100,000 was Wyclef's usual rate at the time. Can we just, can we talk what? about this for a second? I'm pretty sure you should not take a fee to perform at your own no. fundraiser. And that's yeah. why I'm like, this guy knew what he was doing. This is tomfoolery to the highest degree. Yeah. but And but it's in Monaco. It's money. like, come on, dude. But here's my problem, though. But this amount of money is not a lot for Wyclef. He is easily, uh, you know, eight, nine-figure rich right now, you know? Yeah. Like 100K here, 100K there. Is it going to make a huge dent? That's why it's so confusing to me. What makes it like that he? But but that's what makes it so this. bad though. Like because it's like a tremendous yeah. amount of money in Haiti. Though. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, exactly. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know. Stressful. Uh, it's just uh, something 
it speaks to, I don't know, how fucked up he was to, yeah. to do this. And maybe some of it was like production costs and stuff like that. But at the same time, just you don't need to do much. People just want to see you get up there and sing. Do the thing that you're really good at. Just yeah, get up there like and play guitar. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. you're not even that good, bro. A hundred thousand. Come on. <sighs> in 2009, a 60 minutes appearance for Wyclef cost Yele over $125,000 on travel and other expenses. How? Um, exactly. Like this is what I'm saying. It's like maybe, yeah, maybe his heart was in the place in the beginning, in the right place in the beginning, but it, this just spirals out of control. Yeah. Yeah. This is like yeah. a 60 minutes piece, dude. It's like get on JetBlue for $85. Right. They got a sale going on. In 2009, it was $3.99. You could have just gone there and it would have been fine. Almost $58,000 was paid to have celebrities, including Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie, and Matt Damon fly private jets to Haiti because they gave a significant contribution afterward. Do they need I, private jets? Again, get on JetBlue, get your ass out there. I mean, that could be, a th I just like it all too, the way the pricing doesn't make any sense, right? So it's easier for me to put like 74 Oscars on a private jet than it is for like Wyclef to appear alone at a concert in Monaco. Yeah, it's like the pricing doesn't make any sense in all these. Wyclef is high. <laughs> so what would you rather do? Would you rather go to a Wyclef John show in Monaco? That for $100,000, but for about half that amount, you could be on a private jet with Angelina Jolie, Brad Pitt, Brad <laughs> Yeah. Which yeah, would I, you like to do? I want the Angelina Jolie private jet, please. Give me that. And you know what's funny? I bet you Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie, and Matt Damon donated from their respective foundations yeah. to Word. this NGO. Word. They did it the right way, right? And like, I, I'm sure they were like, we don't need, we don't, we don't actually need to come there, Wycliffe. We don't. But I'm sure the idea was to like get more attention to it you know news ap covered this i saw some videos of matt damon there he looks so out of place well it's, it's well it's strange. also part of the con right if you take a bunch of like white westerners and then show them sort of like you know desperate like you know poverty that's in color it's it's the infomercial thing right so the, that's part of the con right you can get them to open up their checkbooks further when they see how black and how desperate haiti actually is in person right mm, yeah yeah true well, the most egregious of the pre-earthquake expenditures is a quarter of a million dollars doled out to a Haitian television company in 2006 that Wyclef and another Yale board member, Jerry Tuplesis, had a controlling financial interest in. The payment for airtime and production services was apparently related to a telethon for Yale produced in the country. And this payment constitutes with a fifth of what the organization took in that year. And Wycliffe claimed the fees were below market value and simply the most efficient way to perform outreach. The duo had purchased the station the prior year. This is okay. this is so funny because this is straight up like a he's 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 the black face of like the white infomercial scam in Africa, is what he's now what he's doing. Again, I like to like let's give him all the benefit of the doubt possible. Yeah. And if it's still scammy, then you know it's a scam. You know, you know it's fucked up. There is the way to make sure that you do things above board is that you don't self-deal. It's like the easiest fucking thing. Like where you you were in a rush to raise money. I get it. But you you, you got to know he had an actual executive director that knew better. Like yeah. they all knew better. They came out and they even said, like, we shouldn't have done that. And I'm like, what? 
you shouldn't have done it. Like that's not, it's not even a question. Like this is what it, it really baffles me. It's like, I don't care what the labor costs were that you got a deal on it and stuff. You put money from the charity's pocket, from the NGO's pocket into the controlling interest person. It's not right. It's like on its face. Not, and not in the 2000s. The, the idea that Haitian television is like the most efficient way to reach people is like no. a completely insane assertion. That's true. Especially when you have him actually promoting the charity live on global satellite radio and the other clips that we played. It's just like, just literally agree to do an interview with anybody and just talk about the charity. So many people just to get the clicks. And like anybody in the world will interview you, but just always make it under condition that you get to talk about your charity. And then we'll reach way more people than your like part owned television station in Haiti. And you know what? I bet fucking ABC or any of the big networks would have gladly been like, sure, we'll give you some time. We'll help you out or some shit like yeah. that. You're a Wyclef, you're a draw. I'm sure there's something they could have fucking done to help out. And like, they get a tax write off for them. Like th there's other ways they could have done this. It's like Quincy Jones or like, you know, the people that did Live Aid being like, actually, we need to actually buy a television station to do We Are the World in the place yeah. uh, because we have really no access to media and we don't think anybody will ever see our message. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what? So you have you have more access to media than literally anyone on Earth. Like, I don't know if we can yeah. get Michael Jackson an interview if we don't have a TV station. This was all before the earthquake had even happened. They couldn't control money that to that point had only been trickling in. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to detail the shitstorm surrounding the sudden influx of millions to this already fraudulent charity. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Looking for some amazing TV to stream? Indulge yourself with the hits on Hulu you can't miss. Dive in with Barney, Ted, Robin, and the gang on How I Met Your Mother. All nine seasons are now streaming on Hulu. Then you can move to Modern Family, Schitt's Creek, and My Wife and Kids. We're talking every episode and every season of these shows. We're talking huge hits, streaming on Hulu whenever you're in the mood. Now we're talking. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% cash back at hundreds of stores, including headliners, Adidas, Elf Cosmetics, and Lego. Rakuten is how in-the-know shoppers get the best savings. They shop the brands they love and earn cash back on top of deals. During Big Give Week, May 6th to May 13th, the cash back rates are even bigger. You can save on everything you need for summer like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of Big Give Week's 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. 
go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app, R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. So before the break, we detailed all of the idiocracy of the charity pre-2010. So now we get into the aftermath of the big one. In January 2010, disaster struck in the form of a magnitude 7.0 earthquake that hit 25 miles away from Haiti's capital city, Port-au-Prince. In the two weeks following, 52 separate aftershocks measuring 4.5 or higher were recorded. Even the most conservative estimates count over 100,000 people dead, with most being buried into mass graves. But this was Yele's moment in the sun. Wyclef immediately, it's dark, it's dark. Wyclef immediately went on social media to beg for relief funds to be delivered to his charity. In the first 24 hours after the earthquake, Yele had already taken in over a million dollars. And that year, the foundation would take in a whopping $16 million. However, over $5 million of that money would be used to help the victims of the earthquake, and the lion's share of the money would go to Wyclef and his associates. Over half of the money went to, quote, travel, salaries, consultants' fees, and expenses related to physical office spaces. Other celebrity charitable organizations usually spend around 10% of their funds on business-related expenses, so you can understand why this was troubling. If that's how bad this is, though, I was surprised that even that 50% even made it to like, to Haiti. Yeah. That's how bad this is. Yeah. Well, because, like, think about it. Even if you're doing anything for the first time on scale, you're going to fuck up. At least 30% of your costs are just going to be trying to fix the shit that you fucked up because this is your first time doing it. Can you imagine, like, you know, just you're starting a business. It's like, all right, we've got to... um Find a lawyer. I think you went through two lawyers. No, yeah, like, we had to, we had to he, fire a liquor license lawyer and like redo his work. So yeah, and we lost like, like a retainer. Uh, imagine if there were like thousands of people waiting for that document to get through. You're like, oh, sorry, I got to get this new lawyer on. Like these are the, the natural logistical things that happen when you do something for, for the first time and you don't have the infrastructure. You're building it from scratch. And when it's all fucked up in the first place, something like this, all the money is it gonna, it's just going to get wasted. This is why it's like, oh, sorry, I'm getting fired up again. Keep going. I'm going to get fired up some more because here's some highlights of how the money was spent. $1.4 million on office expenses, including $375,000 towards landscaping and $470,000 on their own food and beverages. It's fucking awful. Landscaping? Yep. I landscaping. Also where, where are these office, like, you know how you get a... Um, Did, you know, a normal office in the New York City area, there's like, you usually just have a cubicle or something. You don't need, like, why are you landscaping? There's like Edward Scissorhands comes and makes uh, a bush into the shape of Wyclef. Like, <laughs> Honestly, probably that, to be honest. There's no other reason. Uh, $37,000 were used to pay rent on Wyclef's Manhattan recording studio, because yeah. that's what we need right now. More than anything oh. else, we need another If I Was President. Also, also just buy, build your own recording studio, dude. You're multi-millionaire. <laughs> Arguably, that should have been the only expense Wyclef ever had, was just the recording studio. Yeah. He shouldn't have needed anything else. He should have just been fucking making music yeah. and putting it out. That's it. Well, an alleged, alleged $100,000 went to Wyclef's mistress. Yeah. She's got to be happy. You got uh, to put that wife. side chick. 
You got to take care of her because yeah. you don't want her to yell to your real woman. No. Because, you know, she'd be hating you on okay. your, your side chick. A lot of the money went into projects that never came into fruition. So we've got $93,000 for temporary homes. Just never built those because why not? They didn't even become temporary. That's how temporary just, they were. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were just an idea, a figment of your imagination. Uh, yeah. $146,000 for a hospital that was supposed to be housed in geodesic domes. I think that's probably the worst idea for a hospital because people are probably screaming in pain and shit, and it's just going to bounce off this damn dome. Yeah. Why were they, I mean, why were they we doming the hospital? Yeah, why can't it just be a hospital? I, I think because it's like it goes up pretty easily. Like it's a good, it's a mm -hmm. solid thing. I don't think this was a good idea from the jump. Well, a, a lot of these were just ideas anyway, right? So two hundred thirty thousand dollars. <laughs> they were just in a room saying like, "I want to spend one hundred forty-six thousand dollars for this," and they were just like, "Yeah, you could do that," and then nothing happened. Yeah, sounds great. <laughs> two hundred thirty thousand dollars for the revitalization of a plaza in Cité Soleil district. Uh, also did not happen. So that's fun and festive. Um, the money for the above projects was never seen. Wyclef Jean's brother-in-law, Eric Warnel Pierre, collected $630,000 for those projects. It was classified on one of the tax documents for Yele as the rebuilding of Haiti. Mm. That's a hell of another. Nice. You know, like, you know, when they say, yeah. other, what, is, what is yeah. this money for? Oh, I'm rebuilding Haiti. With this. A six hundred thirty thousand yeah. dollar other, yeah, very cute. Uh, a woman who runs an orphanage in Haiti's capital said, "If I had depended on Yele, these kids would all be dead by now." Yeah. Ooh, okay, all right. Uh, thank you for that feedback. We're gonna go ahead and take that. We're gonna take that feedback, and uh, we're gonna discuss. We're gonna discuss amongst ourselves. Thank you. And also, where's that John Forte solo album? We're waiting for. Yeah. It. Yeah. <laughs> Another odd expense was to a Miami company called Amosphere Farm Labor Incorporated, who received just over a million dollars as, quote, food distributor. We found his company, which was established in 2008. No, no. Lee Pierre, it's the head of this company, has professional licenses in barbering and cosmetology. Oh. And <laughs> I knew I knew as soon as it was like <laughs> this company that was created 10 minutes before the money was deposited in its account. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Records do show that he owns several houses in Florida, including a condo in an upscale waterfront community. So this guy was a food distributor. But for whatever it's worth, I don't see that here. I mean, we've got barbering cosmetology, several houses in Florida. Where's the food? And like, yeah. I also looked up on Zillow, the addresses and stuff. Oh, yeah? And like, None of them were places where you could like store food. I don't know. I was trying to find a reason for this man to actually have a food distribution I mean, company. And maybe there's another place like on the business records, the addresses that are listed are just homes. So there wasn't like a facility that they listed, at least in the records that I found. I so mean, the, was, the houses had refrigerators. So yeah, that's okay, food storage. That's, yeah, that's right. That's food that's storage great. right there that as a, i'm sure that's it yeah not, not to be not to be stereotypical here and i'd love a lot of you know i'm just saying i'm just throwing this out there i have no evidence but i just think it's important to remember that uh miami in particular is enjoys the scariest a lot of, place in america yes 
a ton of refugees <laughs> and it has a ton of ethnic refugee networks that are totally that people got involved in organized crime as a way to survive. So if if there's a lot of like money disappearing into like ethnic South Florida networks, just know that like somebody's mafia is not that far away from like any of this. Word. There we go. I'm with you. So check, another... out, check out this documentary called Scarface. It's a, <laughs> about the Cubans. Yes, about the Cubans played by a real Cuban. The, um, yeah, the worst, the worst Cuban accent in the history of <laughs> cinema. <laughs> pretty, it's pretty close. As a Cuban, he tried his best. Um, another half million dollars was paid to a Haitian company called Samosa SA, which was a bulk water supplier. Sure, they got some water, but a lot of the money was paid to house Yele volunteers at a highly inflated rate of $35,000 a month. In Haiti? Yeah. <laughs> Where? Somebody go on Priceline.com and tell me what the most expensive hotel room in Port-au-Prince is. The presidential suite by the airport or whatever. You the can't. Yeah. There's $35,000 a month. That's that's like staying at like the Waldorf Astoria in Probably Manhattan. More than in that. The presidential suite. It's more than that. More than that. Because, yeah. uh, I mean, Haitians live on $2 a day. So you really can only imagine what kind of property $35,000 a month could buy. Yeah. And it is one thing in developing countries like they're, like a lot of the hotels for the business people and the diplomat stuff are like super expensive. Yeah. But it's not thirty five thousand dollars a month. I, I'm, I'm trying to think thirty five thousand dollars a month. Is Even like the in most our baller. money is crazy. Yeah. That's why it doesn't make a lot of sense. These are amounts of money to where I feel like it's impossible to spend in Haiti, like legitimately even. Yeah. Like if thirty five thousand dollars a month, it's like, yeah, if I like I, that's like. That's like having like a banana plantation or something is the only way. You Half of that. that is just like a corruption upcharge. Yes. Yeah. Half I was, that is like a corruption upcharge. I was just yeah. thinking that like maybe security costs, whatever it costs and guns or I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Wowee. Well, you need to employ. And yeah, it's just like you have to, if you're the source of money, you have to get it into the streets enough to where it's like, you really got to put everybody, you got to put everybody on. That would, that, that would even make sense. So if they described it that way. They'd be like, look, man, you got to have a power guy. You got to have some security guys and stuff like that. That would make some sense. But $35,000. Yeah, you got to hire the expendables as your security detail, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know? Because <laughs> it is true. It is true that if you have money, like in some places, like kidnapping is an issue, right? So if you say. For a, sure. But $35,000 a month, though, that's like. That's getting into like thing, you your own paramilitary at that point. We've looked through all, all this stuff and like. They could have been more transparent. If the country was all corrupted and there was institutional corruption, tell us about the challenges you faced in regards to that corruption, right? And that that helps. No. Like, that's all you got to do. He was like, you know? I'm going to be the corruption. Yeah. yeah. I'm I'm going to fix it myself. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, boy. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Yeah, not great. Several Haiti-based companies have reportedly sued the organization over unpaid debts on the island. So now what is this, Firefest? In 2013, a <laughs> hospitality firm sued Yele over a $100,000 bill for training they had given to the Haitians at the charity's request two years earlier. But by 2013, the charity no longer existed. Oh, boy. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> After the avalanche of hate and government intervention, Yale closed its doors in 2012, but Wycliffe had already divested from the company in summer of 2010. So you'd think it was because he was embarrassed and wanted to distance himself from the scandal, but now it was so he could run for president of Haiti, of course. 
All right, let's go to this clip of, of Wyclef and why he wanted to be president here. I think this is from uh, the Talib Kweli podcast. Again, I ran for president because I felt like we didn't have a leader at the time. My job is to work with government. I'm a private sector guy. I believe in job creation. That's what I would love to do in my country. Bring 40,000 jobs, bring 50,000 jobs, build educate, you know, uh, education structure, build schools, right? Mm -hmm. But I tell you this, whenever I feel like there's a void, I'm going to always step up because at the end of the day, if my leader Toussaint Louverture died in a dungeon mm -hmm. trying to make things better for us, I can't just sit back and watch my people fall and I don't help. So right. I'm a constantly like represent. I mean, you, you guys see me on Oprah, tears in my eyes. Like they made memes of me. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you do you know like what it takes to make a man cry. Like I'm telling you, like I'm, I'm surrounded 25,000 kids ready to move. I'm yeah. telling you, more guns than the military. And they say, yo, why'd you, why the tear? And I said, the tear came from, if you seen what I saw, if you seen a mother with a baby in her stomach, just dead on the ground, mm. pregnant, dead on the ground. If you saw a young kid ready to die, and he seeing you and right on the floor, he calls your name. And now I got to walk over to him. This is different <laughs> than what? we on the block, dude, pull up. We know what's going to happen. It's not this me. is a different kind of death. He goes, Clef. No. You know, I love no. you. You're my hero. No. And I said, I love no. you too. And he says, no. how do I look? And I know he's about to go. So now, which some of us have had this experience, it's oh, no joke no. when you got to trans, when you got to be the transport of having someone leave to go to the other side. It's no joke. Mm. And mm. he says to me, can you sing me a song? Oh, you, you mother. Uh, sing me Yele. Fuck. And I start to sing Yele, Yele, Yele. Oh. And he's... <laughs> no! <laughs> died I immediately. I said, if you two seen that, died immediately. you would shed a tear too because the greatest thing we have as human beings is when we could realize that we are in the likeness of God and in G-O-D. And then so for God to show me that within his presence, Ooh. for me, um, it let me know my role. It let you know your role. It let all of us know our roles. You know what I mean? Mm. So that so there's so many alarming things there to where so number one comparing himself to the leader of the Haitian Revolution who's like one of the greatest like global heroes of freedom ever and the, and the fact that he also didn't have any contemporary references for Haitian politics it's like yeah they're yeah. they're you know they're. Haiti was, yeah, might have been missing a leader because they were just like put aboard of like an American plane and flown out of the country like recently. Yeah. But like uh, also turned the dead child thing that totally didn't happen. Nobody, that they, did no, not happen. On the yeah, there's no there's no kid that's like, that was Christ. a Steven Seagal story. A thousand yeah. percent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then also turning that child's death into a way that 
it's only God showing him his greatness. It's actually, you know, if yeah. you, anyone who actually sort of witnessed those things, my my reaction would actually be that there is no God. That the, th- the things he's yeah. describing is like that there is there is there it would be impossible for like uh, you know it would make me question yeah. the nature of my faith actually right. if I saw the things and, that he's describing, but but yeah and then it's also like do you know what it means to make a man cry that whole monologue it's like uh, that was like pretty like wild stuff. It's a Pixar movie for me. I don't know what it is. Yeah. For other people, I don't know my thresholds. Like I could not help but laugh. That was. Ridiculous. It was who was that? Was it a uh, soldier boy or somebody saying like, yeah, then I got the gun and I went pow, 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 pow. Like a, a story so made up that yeah. it had he was on his deathbed. Clef, Clef. He had enough time to ask for a song. I just yeah. I just cannot. It was that was incredible. What a fine. Yeah. And it's also about podcast culture, celebrity podcast culture in which people are allowed to uncritically like someone like Talib Kweli is a very smart man and I know his bullshit meter is, but it's a gentleman's agreement. If you're interviewing your peers that you're not going to like embarrass them and stuff. I think also if I would have seen that, let's just, again, from in my head, I'm like, okay, let's say this was true or he did see this kid die in front of him and whatever. I don't know about the song thing, but that would probably make me think twice about what I'm doing on the ground. Am I the right guy to be helping kids that are in this situation? Yeah. And it's like, no, you're probably not the right guy. No, he has delusions of grandeur. And if you're hanging out at that level, it's just like put a suitcase full of cash together, go into these places, hand out as much cash as you can to where everybody can get, can get on their feet a little bit rather than sing. It's like, don't sing me a song, man. I need no. a sandwich. Oh, God. You know what you I mean? Were charging, you, you were charging $100,000 for a song a long time ago. What happened to that? Now it's a free song? Because the kid's dying? No, he, Charge that kid. Sends the invoice to the parents. And then the contradictory thing of, well, I'm a private sector guy, which is why I should be in charge of the public oh. sector in Haiti. I'm like, what? I, such a red flag. Yeah. I mean, it was all a red flag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to bring 40,000 jobs to Haiti. Do you know how fucking difficult that is? Do you know how complex? Of, and you just flippantly say, I like what people say, like these round numbers. And they just yeah. say, we're going to bring all these jobs and they do all these. It's just... It's a, a level of arrogance. It's it's like, I don't know. and also like, yeah, just no knowledge of, or even knowledge or just even dismissing people's ideas of how hard it is to get investment into like stigmatized places. Let's forget, let's leave, let's leave the country of Haiti out of the equation. I, I dare you to create 40,000 jobs in Trenton, New Jersey, get white people to in, yeah. invest in Trenton uh, before yeah. we even like start talking about like Haiti or something like that. You didn't know how many, how much you will get hung up on by the world's most powerful corporations. <laughs> yeah. So what Wyclef definitely knew is that he was ineligible to become president of Haiti due to the simple fact that he did not live in Haiti. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the fact that he's from Jersey was a kind of a. <laughs> we talked about his upbringing. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. He spent a lot of time there for six months or whatever. But the Haitian constitution requires candidates to live in Haiti for at least the last five years. So which is, uh, by the way, not very long. No, that's five actually they're being is, very seems generous, like a, actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> five years is very, very minimal. Arnold Schwarzenegger spent 40 years in this country and didn't get to run and, for president. Yeah, we were all like, yeah. hmm. I don't know. So Jersey resident Wyclef Jean ran anyway. 
<laughs> Haitian authorities rejected his bid for the presidency on these grounds. Yeah. So Wyclef did the only thing he knew how to do. Cry into a microphone. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> so a few days after the rejection, he released a song on Haitian airwaves accusing the outgoing president, René Preval, of engineering his rejection due to his political beliefs. Yeah, his heart, his, his really spelled out political program of, I will create the jobs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love Haiti. And also, <laughs> like, let's say he did want to get him rejected. You still didn't live in the fucking country. Well, that's yeah. it. <laughs> Just like, my man. That's all it was. What are we doing? Yeah. And if he would have committed to the, it's like, it's also like, if he would have actually moved back to Haiti and would have put money in the streets, he probably would have been elected in a landslide. That's also what's so crazy about yeah. this. Like a huge global celebrity yeah. coming in. He could have, with his amount of money, he could have built so much legitimacy with people. Uh, and he could have been elected president, but you know, yeah, I, I have reason to question his commitment to Haiti. Yeah, yeah same. Yeah. Same. <laughs> a few weeks after that, Wyclef formally ended his bid for presidency, saying, After weeks of quiet but painstaking reflection with my wife and daughter, I have chosen to end my bid for the presidency of Haiti. This was not an easy conclusion to reach, but it is one that was thoughtfully made. I'm really not sure how much reflection he needed after realizing that he legally could not run. <laughs> well, I'm going to issue a statement. I have actually decided that I can no longer serve as Queen of England after some thoughtful reflection. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're so brave. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for letting us know here on the pod. Yeah. <laughs> so... Wyclef is clearly not a fan or facts or your little rules. Yele stole tons of money and they stole everything from Haiti. Poor Haiti. Poor Haiti. As a young NGO coming up, have we made mistakes before? Mm. Yes. Did I ever use Yele money for personal benefits? Absolutely not. <laughs> the, the concert in Monaco was really, it really helped a lot of people in Haiti. Yeah. Yeah. The landscaping fees. Yele's books are open and transparent. And we have been a clean bill of health by an external auditor every year since we started. I'm going to guess that that external auditor is the same one that Sean King hired. Uh, to. Yeah. <laughs> also, the books are open. Um, $630,000 for the brother uh, in rebuilding Haiti. Thank you. Yeah, 630000 in the other section. That's that's wide open for everybody yeah. to see. Somebody just gave him that paperwork to read that morning. This is race hustlers, though. This is affinity fraud, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. This is this he, really gets into it, yeah. Yeah, he takes ha Haitian identity as, like, a Haitian-American and Haiti's, like, Haiti's tragedy to, like, enrich himself. And it's just, like, it's, 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 it's gross, man. Uh, there's one more clip here from uh, Wyclef on that barbershop show. Oh, man. Let's talk facts. Yele Haiti. Right. Started an organization. Right. I said, I don't want it to be an organization. It's going to be a non-governmental organization. They said, what you mean? I said, it's going to operate as its own government. They said, okay, talk to us Great. a little further. I said, why every time there's a disaster, we got to wait for a Red Cross to literally come 
and deliver us every time. Right. You have to wait for the boat. You have to wait for the helicopter. You got to wait for the food. Right. So I'm like, wouldn't it just make sense if we start buying our own logistics and putting them on the entire island? So if Puerto Rico have something, if Cuba have something, if Haiti have something, if the D hold on, one is supposed to have all that power. Hmm. So what do they do? Uh, they infiltrate oh, no. spreading lies. Yo, this done stole $17 million in his, you know what I'm saying? And I felt like disrespect. They should at least said I took a hundred because the car collection alone, you feel what I'm saying? To you? So no, just was saying at the time, I was like, yo, these right. people are disrespecting me, man. Right. So so but I'm saying that, right? Because and then they plant these stories. And then now these stories get win, right? Wow. It's so funny because nobody's even asking him to go to that topic. Yeah. It's like, he's so shameless. Yeah. He's still out there bringing it up. Like, I would never mention Yella Haiti ever again. It would be the worst embarrassment of my life. And no, in fact, he's I was, trying to get ahead of it. Yeah, well, he's still trying to, like, justify it. Was, yeah, yeah, he's trying to, like, rewrite the past. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Uh, I also like the the idea of now, all of a sudden, it's because white people... It's like, there is, like, a white conspiracy against Haiti. Like, the American government's involvement in Haitian politics is, like, very much, like, a well-documented thing. But this idea that... The white man was scared of Wyclef. But no, he's it, smart. He knows his audience. He's sitting at a barbershop show. That This yeah. is the perfect time to be yeah. like, well, I was about to buy NBC and therefore they tried to say that I stole some money from my or organization. It was the white man. Yeah, he's playing into the black conspiracy internet yeah. the way the like Dr. Umar does, right? It's the white man. Even though what, what someone, what, what Wyclef actually did is actually what white people do to countries like Haiti. He's He, he is totally like doing the same stuff white people do. But he's like, well, the white man didn't want me to do it. Like, no, the white man's probably like super happy. Yeah, they were excited that you did that. Yeah. Well, I'm now looking at all the interviews he did. Very fucking smart. His barbershop interview just now, he's saying the white man did it. His Oprah interview, he's crying and and yeah. and dealing into yeah. that that poverty porn that you said. And the serious interview, he's like, oh no, it, look, all of our funds are, are are together and correct. So it's the three different Wyclefs that we're getting here. Really interesting. And, it, and it's, ones, it's ones that aren't critical to black people. This, and Michael Jackson did that. Remember how Michael Jackson, every time he would get caught, he would always like join the nation of Islam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he would always like have like Farrakhan and like Muslims with them. And it's like, what? Yeah. And it's, it's totally like this thing you do when you're like a black male celebrity. Because remember, black women don't get to do this, right? Uh, like Britney Griner, these same people are like, leave Britney Griner over there, right? Yeah. But if you're a black man and you get into trouble, you have to then insulate yourself in the black streets because <laughs> yeah. it's just it's because because of the tendency for us to defend uh, you know ourselves against white people, right? Mm -hmm. You can like exploit that. Mm. I wanted to not be as upset about this because when I was looking at it before, I was like, he really did want to help, but it's negligent when you rush into a burning building and saying, I'm going to save everyone. And you're wearing like a, a flammable outfit. Mm -hmm. Like you're wearing like AstroTurf and you run into a burning building. You're like, don't worry, I'll save you. And it's like, you're on fire. You're a mess. This is doing more harm. The place is burning down faster because of you. Like get out. Well, why don't I try singing like, you a song? Yeah, you know, rather than, the, you know some Catholic nun that's been living in Haiti for 35 years trying to 
get every yeah. research resource of the church to people directly gets overshadowed by just like someone who like had an album. This is also like it's an indictment of celebrity culture, like in the it West, really right? It's this idea that we think any of these people could fix like intractable global issues. It's like, you know, who could really yeah. fix this? Not not, you know, the Kennedy School of Government graduates from Haiti. It's 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 clearly the guy from the Fugees. <laughs> you know who we need? We need Taylor Swift here. Who who's got Taylor's number? Let's get her over here. No, it's like she's what? so hands off. Why? <laughs> Why? Why? If I get in trouble, white people did it, by the way. Oh yeah. <laughs> if I ever just know if I ever get in trouble, that was not me. That was the white man, because I was getting too yeah. powerful on this podcast. I know. Yes. That's what I yes. always say. You should thanks everybody for listening to the show. Uh, follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Check out the show notes for the show's social media links so you can follow us. Join our Discord. Find us on Twitter. Find us on Instagram. Uh, and also, of course, in the show notes, see the resources we use for this episode. Frosters is hosted by me, Cena Gazzetti, Justin Williams, and Ariel Lieti. Our producer is Jordan Aconcia. Production coordinator is Noreen Malik. Editor is Ryan Connor. Our writer is Nick Turner. Our researcher is Emily Fusco. Music by Grant Gordon. And our legal researcher is Robert Rosigliano. Executive producer is me, Cena Gaznavi, and this has been a production of Zero Cool and The Last Podcast Network. We'll see you next time. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific time, only on Netflix. One, two... Three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.